You're listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast. Here's the deal. If you make disciples by sitting around and talking, you shouldn't be surprised when your disciples sit around and talk and talk and talk. This is the podcast for those weary of just talking and ready to start activating in the mission Jesus gave us to change the world. The Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast, where disciples and disciple makers gather to grow and go together. Here's your host, Dr. Matt Friedemann. Hey friends, thrilled to have you with us today. Remember, the place for a man, for a woman completing all their powers is in the fight. And right now today, making disciples of the nations. We're so thrilled that you're here. We want you to stay tuned, stay encouraged. We've got a rendezvous with destiny. All right, folks, so good to have you. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's been a little while. Uh, we've been out traveling, and so it's kind of great to be by, back behind the microphone and be with our life-changing discipleship podcast friends. Thank you for that. I, I, I'm going to do something today I don't normally do. I, I don't like to date uh, what we do here on the podcast too much. And by dating, I mean do something on the podcast that's kind of specific to a time in the year. But we're going to do it today because I'm really excited about what happened today, uh, which is to say in these next couple days, oh, almost 2,000 years ago, and that was the day of Pentecost. And Pentecost is kind of relevant for any time of year, really. What we want to suggest is it's important that we always have an understanding about what the day of Pentecost ought to mean for us. Now, you're saying Pentecost. What, what are we even talking about here? Well, it was a harvest festival for the Jews, but eventually at the end of the first century became kind of commemoration of the law or the Ten Commandments and the law. Uh, and so we put these things together and recognize there is a straight line from the law or the Torah or the first five books of the Bible and the Holy Spirit. And so what we want to do is link those together. But Pentecost happens this Sunday. And in our church, it's we try to make it the biggest day of the year. And you say, the biggest day of the year? Why, why, why wouldn't that be like Christmas? Or would, why wouldn't that be like Easter? And I think we say it's our, the biggest day of the year because we want to recognize that this Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks, because it happens seven weeks after the Passover, after when Jesus would have died, or we say this this in Judaism is called Shavuot. And really we think Shavuot, Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, marks the culmination of the experience of redemption. In other words, all things kind of come together at Pentecost. Because if you remember the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. There were 3,000 converts. In a short period of time, these are scattered to the nations. And the gospel all of a sudden now is cast out there like seed across many soils. And so it's it's a it's a great day. So we we also think of it as the birthday of the church. Now, if it's the birthday of the church, that means we ought to have a birthday party. And that's what we do in my congregation. We love to have a birthday party. And so when you come to my church on Sunday, uh, we will have helium red balloons. And, you know, they're attached, but they're they're hovering over uh, many places in our congregation. We'll have, I don't know, 50 or 60 of these balloons just to remind us of the tongues of fire that took place that day. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, we also have birthday cake. We 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 march in at uh, announcement time, and yeah, you know, some of the kids blow out. We have one candle in the middle uh, because if we had them all, it'd be almost two thousand candles. But we 
we have them blow out the candle and we sing happy birthday to us. It's the birthday of the church. So happy birthday to us. And then of course we, um, we have a special speaker in, we have some rides out for the kids afterwards, meal on the grounds. We just throw a birthday party. We want to have a hilarious, wonderful time at Pentecost, but this is why the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit now, and that Holy Spirit fills us. And when that Holy Spirit fills, amazing things start to happen. And so we uh, we love just doing this kind of celebration. So we got a special speaker coming in. Uh, some of you have heard Andy Miller on this program before. If you ever need a special speaker, he's a great one. Uh, but Andy is going to come in and be part of our uh, Sunday program, and he's speaking about the day of Pentecost. It just ought to be a great day. We do this because I want a regular reminder, like we get a regular reminder every year for Christmas, a regular reminder every year for Easter. I want a regular reminder of what God did on the day of Pentecost, and you can read the story in Acts 2. Now, there's all kinds of ways to celebrate Shavuot or Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. Many Jews celebrated it by staying up the entire night studying and learning the Torah or the first five books of the Bible. Uh, at synagogue services on Shavuot morning, the Ten Commandments were read, and the people reaffirmed their commitment to treasure and to obey God's law. Now, what's really interesting is there is something called the Jewish Midrash, and that's the old traditions that were eventually written down. Some of these were written down 200 years before Christ. Some of them were written down uh, a thousand years before. So the, these old traditions are going around. They're beginning to get written down. And one of the teachings out of the Jewish Midrash, the rabbis had various teachings. And I think we could all say some of them are, I don't know, Probably not true, but some of them has some very interesting and almost always fun insights into what Scripture is saying. So according to the Jewish Midrash, God initially offered the Torah to each of 70 nations. So I, I love this one. I very much doubt it's true, but I love the thought that there's some rabbi out there teaching, hey, God wanted Torah to go not just to Israel, but to other nations. So he offers it to them, but they want to hear first, all right, you're, you're going to give us this great teaching. You say 613 laws that we're supposed to obey. And if we obey them, our lives will be meaningful and purposeful and we'll be holy as you are holy. Sure. We want to do those things. What they didn't say that. They said, can we read it first? And after hearing the commandments, after reading the commandments, each nation had some excuse for not accepting them. So as the story goes in this oral tradition, again, traditions that were eventually written down, God finally turned to the nation of Israel. And they said, the nation of Israel said, all that the Lord says we will do. So unlike the other nations, Israel chose the Torah before knowing its contents. <laughs> In other words, a blank check, all that you say we will do. And you can read about that in Exodus 19.8. All that the Lord has said we will do. Now, what is it we're supposed to do? I love that. I love the blank check out of that whole thing. And basically, the Lord then says, well, here are the laws. Here's the Ten Commandments. Here are 603 other laws, and I want you to obey them. And when you do, your life will be hilarious. 
It'll be wonderful. It will be extraordinary. Now, for the rest of their history, they have a difficult time doing this. Nonetheless, I love the teaching. Listen, I'm on board. All that the Lord says, we want to do. I want to do. So, Lord, what is it you want me to do? And I will follow. I will obey. Now, that's not the only teaching that comes out of all this. I I, I love the day of Pentecost. And of course, I've already told you in our congregation, we have helium red balloons above everybody's head in our congregation. Just around, they're, they're, they're fat tongues, <laughs> right? Tongues of fire. They're fat tongues. But nonetheless, just, just to put something up there to have fun with and say, hey, these resemble the flames of fire, the tongues of fire. Well, what's interesting is the Midrash also talked about that. And I didn't know this until a friend shared this with me this morning. So I just wanted to give it to you just because if I receive something, I'd love for the podcast audience to hear it as well. The Midrash speaks of these flames of fire that came not just on Pentecost, but they came to every individual at Sinai. When the law is given, there were flames of fire back then. And so, as the Midrash uh, talks about, on the occasion of the giving of the Torah, the children of Israel not only heard the Lord's voice, but actually saw the sound waves as they emerged from the Lord's mouth. They visualized them as a fiery substance. Each commandment that left the Lord's mouth traveled around the entire camp and then came back to every Jew individually. So what this teaching is suggesting, and again, this is a Jewish rabbi saying this, that this whole thing called the voice of God was a fire to every Jew individually and into the entire camp. And so when it comes that the day of Pentecost arrives in Acts 2, what do we see? Tongues of fire that rested on each of them individually. Now, second miracle the Midrash preserves is the voice of God speaking, get a load of this now, in every language known to man. Now remember, that happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. Everybody heard the gospel being spoken in their native language. So let me read this to you. All the people witnessed the thunderings, it says in Exodus 20.15. Note it doesn't say the thunder, but the thunderings. Therefore, the rabbi said that God's voice, as it was uttered, split up into 70 voices in 70 languages so that all the nations should understand. Huh. So you say, well, it's the Midrash. Yeah, that, 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 no one says, hey, the, we say our Bible is inerrant. We don't say the Midrash is inerrant. So surely we discount that kind of thing. And here is what I love. Whether or not these traditions preserve actual historical memories, actually inerrant memories of the Sinai experience, whether or not it's actual or not, what's important to remember is that the disciples and the followers of Jesus would have been all aware of these teachings. They would have known the story. Everybody at Pentecost in Acts 2, they would have known the story of the Torah at Shavuot. They knew the story of the words of fire resting on each individual at Shavuot. They knew the story of God's voice speaking to all mankind in every language right there at Sinai. Therefore, the miracles, the signs, the wonders that 
they experience in Acts chapter 2 carry significance and in many of their minds prophetic fulfillment. I mean, these tongues of fire and speaking in every tongue, direct illusions that they've heard their whole life about the Mount Sinai experience and the receiving of the Torah. God was understoring this connection that we start off the program saying there's a major connection between the Holy Spirit and the Holy Torah, the Holy Commandments, the first five books of the Bible. Oh, I love this stuff. And, and again, why is it so important? Why is it so incredibly important that we celebrate Pentecost today? Because I think God wants to say there's a straight line between my word and your capacity, your ability, the grace necessary for you to be able to obey my word. And that is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Now, one of the guys that's written about this was an old Methodist missionary called E. Stanley Jones. And I don't know if you can get this book or not. I'd, I'd recommend it to you. He, he wrote a book called, first of all, his first book he ever wrote was A Christ of the Indian Road. Now, Indian because he was from India. He, 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 uh, he ministered in India. So Stanley Jones loved to speak of the things India had taught him about Jesus and what Jesus was teaching India. And so he was a great missionary, wrote this incredible, well, eventually, not many years after that, he wrote another book called The Christ of Every Road. And that was his book about Pentecost. And this is what he said. You draw a line through the New Testament, and on one side you see spiritual fumbling, hesitancy, inadequacy, defeat, and I might Add by extension, you see betrayal, you see denial. Listen, these guys had a three-year relationship with Jesus, and they betray him. A three-year relationship with Jesus, and they deny him. A three-year relationship with Jesus, and they run for their lives when he needed them the most. They're not to be found. So on one side of that line, you draw the line down through Acts 2. On one side of that line, you got fumbling, hesitancy, inadequacy, defeat, uh, b betrayal, denial, running for our lives. And on the other side of that line, you have certainty, courage, adequacy, victory. That line runs straight through Pentecost. So why does my church, my local church, give so much attention to Pentecost? There you have it. I want my people to be people of certainty, of courage, of adequacy, of victory, of spirit indwelling, of being full of that spirit so that they won't be spiritually fumbling, hesitant, inadequate, defeated, living like they're defeated, betraying, denying. And the answer to one place to the next from that fumbling place to the certainty place is the Holy Spirit. So this is what Stanley Jones says. Again, Christ of every road. He says the church is living between Easter and Pentecost. Easter stands for life, wrought out, offered. Pentecost stands for life appropriated, lived to its full, unafraid, and clearly and powerfully witnessing to an adequate way of human living. The church stands hesitant between the two. Hesitant, hence comparatively impotent. 
Something big has dawned on its thinking, says Jones. Christ has lived, he taught, he died, and he's risen again. And he's commissioned the church for the amazing good news. But something big has yet to own in the very structure, makeup, temperament of the life of the church. Pentecost. Easter's dawn, Pentecost has not. If the church would move up from that between state to Pentecost, nothing could stop it. Nothing. Nothing could stop it. Now, I think that's true of the Church Universal. I also think it's true of your local church. Easter is dawned. But for too many of our local churches, Pentecost has not dawned. What do we need to do to get from Easter to Pentecost? And I think that's what you need to be talking about on Pentecost Sunday. But truth, you talk about it all the time. You need to be talking about it all the time in our churches. How can we move from one state of being to the next for the glory of God? And that's what we talk about on the day of Pentecost. And let me just share by extension. uh, I think you need to basically say, let me be one of the people that God can count on to be wide open to whatever he wants to do in my life through the power of the Holy Spirit. A couple of things I just share with you, and then we're going to close this down. One of them is simply this. A couple of times it says, uh, when Peter starts his sermon on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, he talks about the prophet Joel. One of the things that the prophet Joel prophesies, it says, it shall be in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Oh, that pouring out. And he says it again, verse 18, I will pour out my spirit in those days. This pouring out. Now, pour, that's water, right? That's a water metaphor. And I think we recognize, uh, again, Peter later in that sermon says, God has been exalted. Jesus has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father. He has poured out this which you both see and hear. It's happening right now. Look around. It's happening. Jesus is pouring out that Holy Spirit. Now, pouring is liquid. And one of my friends taught me something great this morning during a discipleship group. He said, this whole pouring thing is a liquid metaphor. And if you've ever noticed, Matt, liquid always goes to the lowest place. And the implication there is you've got to be humble enough, emptied enough of yourself. I I love that the Beatitudes starts off with blessed are the poor in spirit. That word poor means absolutely empty of you. Blessed are the tokos in spirit. Blessed are those who are emptied of themselves. Because if you're empty, you're poor. And if you're poor, guess what happens? You're low. And where does the poured out spirit go? To the lowest place. We ought to want to assume the lowest place, that the Holy Spirit would fill us up to the very brim. Now, any number of ways this could be understood. I think when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you commit your life to Christ, guess what? Jesus comes in. And where there used to be yourself on the throne of your life, Jesus kicks that self off and he becomes the king on the throne of your life. But listen, it's not like the Father and the Spirit stay outside. 
No, God comes in. Father, Son, and Spirit. So every believer has the Holy Spirit in them. If you're a Christian today, you have him. But this is what needs to happen. I do think there's a second great moment in a person's life. I think for three years now, they've had a relationship with Jesus, but a relationship with Jesus isn't enough. And y'all, I want you to know something. It's not enough that you have this relationship with Jesus. There's something more he wants for you. Uh, I'm reminded of all kinds of teachings I've received in my life as to what ought to happen in this kind of dynamic. But I will say this, one of the best things that has ever been taught to me before on this whole thing is, hey, you've got, Matt, the Holy Spirit in you. Now you've need to, you need to let him loose. And you need to let him loose in so much that now you let him have your sexuality. You let him have your money, all of your money, Matt. You let him have your vocation. You let him have your geography. Matt, you may not want to go to Africa, but if he wants you to go to Africa, you go to Africa. You'll be willing to go anything and do anything and give anything because that's what God wants for your life. And I'm going to say to you all, that is a beautiful moment in the person's life. They say, why can't you do all that at conversion? I think that's a fair question. Why can't we get all of it at conversion? And the best way I've ever heard that articulated is this. You need to walk with Jesus a while to find out how deep of a sin problem you really have with your money, with your sexuality, with your relationships, with your wanting to have it your way no matter what. I don't know if you ever remember a gentleman named Martin Lloyd-Jones. He had a, a great pulpit, was a great man in the Reformed tradition, steeped in Calvinism, but he said this one day, I want to talk to you today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, you may call it what you want, but I want you to know, have you experienced the fullness of the Spirit? Now, I know all you listening to me come as I do from a Reformed background, but it's not good enough. I know that all of you would want to say to my question about the Holy Spirit, well, we got it all at conversion. There's no need for any more experience. I have only one other question to ask you. If you got it all at conversion, where in God's name is it? That's a great question for all of us. Y'all, I'll just say this. You have the Holy Spirit today as a believer, but you need to let that spirit loose into every nook and cranny of your life. You need to let him fill you to the brim. And in so much as you will allow him to do that, your best days are yet to come. I mean, incredible things are going to happen. The day of Pentecost comes every year, and every year we throw a party. And every year we accent what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us, what the Holy Spirit wants to do through us. And that's actually a very important thing. Y'all, there's a needy world out there, a hurting world out there, a world that desperately needs spirit-filled, spirit-controlled people to go to the places of hurt, to go to the places of pain. One of, the, one of the things we say all the time is, I say this to my students, I say this to my church, run to the sound of the pain. Because when you run there, you will be running with Jesus. And when you get there, you'll be ministering 
to Jesus. Remember Jesus says, Matthew 25, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was sick and you ministered to me. I was in prison. You visited me. Y'all, when you run to the sound of the pain, you will be running with Jesus and you will minister to Jesus when you get there. And it's going to be the Holy Spirit that turns you on to run faster than you ever have to the sound of the pain, to minister better than you ever have to Jesus when you get to that pain. Y'all, that's what we need spirit-filled Christians to do. And part of that pain is people don't know Jesus. Part of that pain is they've been sexually abused. Part of that pain is they are addicted uh, to substances, to, to heroin, to crack. Some of the pain is we are in prison. Some of the pain is life has damaged me. Some of the pain is I have damaged myself. But whatever the pain is, Jesus needs you and me as spirit-filled Christians to run to that pain and minister well. And if we do that, oh my word, guess what? People are attracted to that kind of faith. They're not attracted to people that are just trying to get prosperous. They're not attracted to people that are just trying to do what they can do so that they can go to heaven. Now, what they're turned on about is people reaching out to human need and trying to get them to understand a little bit about heaven now in the love that we share with them so that they can know heaven then. Y'all, I'll just say, this message of the Holy Spirit, this message of Pentecost needs to be heard in your church regularly, but at the day of Pentecost is a nice time. And regularly, annually in our church, we make sure we make it a big deal but that's not enough. We need to make sure we make the Holy Spirit a big deal every day of our lives. All right, it's a wrap, my dear friends. It's been an honor to have you listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast with Matt Friedemann. Hey, check out our Facebook page, Life-Changing Discipleship, and check out our books at amazon.com. Just type in Matt Friedemann into the search engine, see what's offered there. And always, always tell others about our podcast. And remember, my wife thanks you, my daughter thanks you, my sons and their wives thank you, and I can assure you that I thank you for listening to Life-Changing Discipleship today. Love God, live clean, keep the faith, make disciples, and God bless you, dear friends. We'll see you back here real soon. Yeah.